receive service similarly um, at Sherland on uh, Christmas Eve at 6.30 p.m. Uh, so if someone wasn't here, they could come be part of that. Next week is our end-of-year celebration. So we are um, going to come together for an extended time of food and fellowship, a brief covenant service. Uh, so I encourage you to bring some finger food to pass. Uh, egg salad is not a finger food. Okay, so we're all on the same page. <coughs> if, you, if you ball it, beer batter it, and deep fry it, and put a toothpick in it, you may bring it. I'm not sure that I will eat it, but that would count. That would count. I'm sure someone's done that. So, uh, so finger foods, <coughs> extended fellowship, uh, wonderful time. The band's going to share some music with us. Uh, and we'll do a brief uh, covenant renewal service as we go into our new year. Also in your New Life Notes is the list of items that we are collecting for our uh, paper angel closet. So if you're interested in that, please bring uh, in your shopping, bring some of those items. We have already collected a lot of different items. Um, so please uh, continue to collect those. Our first appointments uh, for that ministry will be in January. Um, so we'll let you know what else is going on. So let's transition now. I think I've killed enough time. With a prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the miracle of Christmas. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together to reflect, to hear this story once again. If only for this night, allow us to <coughs> travel back to that time allow us to travel to that world and allow us to be transformed because of this wonderful story. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, this will be interesting. I want to welcome all of you to New Life. This is our Christmas celebration service. I want to welcome all of those joining us online and via our podcast. Uh, tonight we're just going to hear the Christmas story and reflect a little bit upon it. Before we, before we do, I, do, I want to talk a little bit about um, fantasy. We've been reading stories for the last three weeks. Uh, the Snow Queen we, we read parts of. We talked about The Hobbit, of course, uh, which has just opened here a couple of days ago, uh, the third movie, and uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. And uh, it, it should be no secret that I love uh, fantasy. Fantasy is something, um, well, it's fantastic. It, it brings us to another place. Uh, whether it's going to a good movie um, and escaping for an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, depending on how long the movie you're going to see, or, or whether it's uh, getting a good book. I've, I've obviously had in the last three weeks the opportunity to sit down with three of my favorite storybooks and, and to read them. Uh, and and th those few hours of sitting and reading to be able to escape into that kind of fantasy world is something very, very special and something we sometimes take for granted when we're um, surrounded with technology and, and surrounded with distractions. We rarely take the space and the time to just, um, to just escape for a few, few hours or a few minutes even. And, uh, and we even get down on you know, calling that kind of escapism, that we shouldn't want to, that we should be grounded in, in reality and we... We talk about things like, you know, fantasizing in, in a very negative way, but 
uh, often when we're talking about fantasizing, we're talking about fantasizing about winning the lottery, kind of cheap things that are, are very real that you could actually do, but don't really produce much interest. The fantasy that we've talked about the last three weeks is, is truly out of this world. It's something apart. It's so different than our world. Totally different. And what I want to leave uh, or, or start with you tonight, I should say, is the idea that the gospel is itself fantasy. That not only is the gospel represented well in fantasy, as we saw in Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, but the gospel is in fact fantasy, and that's the power of it. That if it wasn't, it would just be another story. So let's read and kind of keep that in mind as we hear this story again. Jared already read uh, parts of this, but we hear this in First Luke. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel says, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I've not been with a man? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is born will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. The woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you, as you have said. And the angel left her. Mary was told some quite, quite interesting news. And Mary lived in a, in a very strange kind of hard time and land that we don't live in uh, here in the United States. Mary lived in oppressed era, right? Her little country, uh, Nazareth, Galilee, those, those little countries in Judea, they were oppressed, they were occupied by a foreign government and a foreign army. And the people there were taxed until poverty, they were taxed until they were poor and hungry, and they lived miserable lives in a sense. And so there's a real, real hope, a real desire for something other than the life they were living. Now, we don't necessarily know that because we generally live comfortable lives. Bad things happen, yes, but not the same kind of bad things that happen to Mary and her people and not the same kind of bad things that necessarily happen across our world where you don't know if you're going to wake up tomorrow because of foreign armies, because of 
terrorist attacks. You don't know if you're going to have food on your table. Most of us at least know we're going to wake up tomorrow. We're going to be safe. We're going to have food, work, those kind of things. And then the angel comes to Mary and says some very strange things. The angel says, this child... Well, first of all, the angel says, you're going to get pregnant, which is kind of interesting for a virgin. It's kind of absurd, actually, in in fact. It's often pointed out by people, the absurdity of a virgin getting pregnant. But not only are you going to get pregnant and be a virgin, you're going to give birth to a new king. He's going to take the throne of David. David was the king. The person that everyone wanted to be. The person that the people were waiting for. A new David to come in and kick out Rome and lead their country. Not only is he going to be a new king, he's going to rule Jacob's house, Israel, forever. There will be no end to their kingdom. The angel didn't say... He's going to grow up and be a king. And he's going to conquer, you know, throw out the Romans, and he's going to live 60 years, uh, and then his son may be okay. The angel said, He's going to be king forever. That is not based in our world. No king, before or after, has ruled forever. No earthly king has sat on a throne forever. No virgin has gotten pregnant before this story. The angel says nothing is impossible for God. We live in a world of possible things. Logical, physical laws and things that happen. Do A, B will happen. Do C, D will happen, etc. We live in a very logical, physical reality The angel is telling Mary of a very different reality, a very different place, a very different understanding. Nothing is impossible for God. I always like to interject uh, Matthew because I feel like if if we don't interject Matthew, then we leave out Joseph. And he was a good guy for raising that baby, so I want to hear his story too. Matthew 1.18 This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Did you hear that? Here's Joseph. Uh, We don't know how old Joseph was, but he was a carpenter. He was employed, working age at least. Here's Joseph trying to to build a family, trying to live a normal life. 
he, he's part of the lineage of King David. And I think in his heart probably has that kind of fervor to get out from oppression, get out from kind of the imposed slavery that the Roman Empire had kind of put on the people of Israel. And the angel tells him this, that that child will save the people from their sins. He doesn't say that child, Jesus, will save the people from oppression. He doesn't say that the child will save them from hunger or poverty or having to work long hours to raise your family or or having to flee to Egypt with your newborn under kind of cruelty of a foreign king, which is going to happen to Joseph and Mary in just a little while in the story. The angel doesn't say any of that. The angel says, this baby is going to save your people from their sins. That is not something that any one of us is capable of doing. It's not something that anyone in this world was capable of doing or has been capable of doing since. This is something otherworldly. This is something very different. This is something outside the realms of Joseph's day-to-day life. And, and I would love to know kind of what he thought of that, but we never hear Joseph say anything. So I guess he was just kind of a quiet type guy, uh, which is good. Uh, but I would love to know what he was thinking in response to that. What the heck does that mean? Because I'm tired of the Romans and I'm tired of the taxes and I'm tired of being hungry and tired and having to work long hours just to pay the bills. But the angel said, he will free them from their sins. Let's go back to Luke. We got Joseph's story. Pick up in chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. The first enrollment occurred under Quinarius, governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and the family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage, and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him snugly, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest house. We've talked in years past about maybe it wasn't an inn, maybe it was a guest house, regardless of, of where it was, of, 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 of what kind of accommodations they would have lived in um, or they would have stayed in. The reality was Jesus was born in a stable, probably more like a cave, and he was placed in a manger. Remember what the angels had just said, that, that he was going to be a king, that he was going to free people from their sins, that he was going to be the salvation of Israel, that he was going to rule on David's throne forever. Well, in, in our earthly world, kings aren't born in stables. They're born in palaces. They're born, well, these days, in in hospitals, I suppose. They're born in comfort, in safety, in security. They're born carefully monitored, 
carefully taken care of. They're not put into a feeding trough on some hay surrounded by animals which probably weren't very clean. The sanitary conditions of this scene are, are a little beyond me to describe very truthfully, <clears throat> and I try not to ponder on it too much, but I think it's at least important to realize this is not the normal scenario for a kingly birth. This is not the normal real scenario of really anyone's birth. Very few people are born in barns and born in stables. Admittedly a few, I'm sure, over the years. But certainly not kings, not royalty. The Duke uh, certainly and Kate certainly did not give birth to their child in a barn out back of the palace in comfort. And they did so because there was no room. And, and, and we talked about this before that, okay, maybe it was Joseph's family's house and there was a big guest room and there was no room in that guest room. But there was no room. And why wouldn't there be room for the future king, for a savior, for someone who was willing to live and die for us? Nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. Then the Lord's angel stood before them, and the Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring you good news, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find the newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in the highest. Earth, peace among all those he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly, found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying asleep in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about the child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds said. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen. Everything happened just as they've been told. Shepherds, the poorest of the poor, the outcasts even sometimes among their own people, they are told that this baby is going to be Christ the Lord. Think about that, a baby. How, how would you even know what a baby's... I mean, we, we think when children are born, right? What are they going to grow up to be? We don't know. We imagine. We kind of hope maybe certain things. But how do we know? And here the shepherds are told, He is Christ the Lord. He is Christus, Messiah. He is David come again. He is the one God is sending here to earth. He is Lord. He is Master. 
He is God. That's a lot of stuff for a baby. That's a lot of stuff for those shepherds to handle on that night. And it's completely out of their world. That baby was born in a manger because he became accessible to everyone. The shepherds were first to be told because they were last in the priority chain. If this baby had been born in a palace, they would have been the last to hear. He was born in a stable and they were the first. He is going to be Christ the Lord. This is a story, and that's all we'll read tonight, but this is a story of fantasy. This is a fantasy. It is not in our world. This is a story about something very out of this world happening. Something very different happening. A child being born in all of these crazy circumstances. A virgin getting pregnant. Shepherds hearing first. People from all over the world finding out. There's drama that would ensue. But more than anything, this is a fantasy because... It's about God who lives outside of our world and surrounds our reality. God and the Word who created everything, who breathed life into everything, and the kingdom of heaven which stands very different from our world. In in this world, the world of Joseph and Mary, there's suffering and oppression and pain. And in our world in 2000 and in 14, there's suffering and oppression and pain. There's brokenness. There's hurt. There's just this myriad of things that can go wrong from day to day. Even in America, uh, e- even our freedom is attested. Even our safety is kind of put in question from time to time. We even heard about it this week. What others are willing to do to mess with us, to mess with other countries when we think everything's going well. This is a story outside of that. Just like a good fantasy, just like a good movie, we can escape to that world for a minute. But there's a difference in this story. Where most fantasy, if we sit down and like we did, we read The Hobbit uh, or we go see it in the movie theater, we we escape to that, that pretend world for a few hours, for, for a few moments. The opposite is happening in this story. The fantasy world, the world of God, the world of peace and hope and joy and love is coming to us. Last week we said the Word became flesh and lived among us. The angel said He will be Son of God. He will be Christ the Lord. Heaven coming to earth. That's the beauty of the story. It's not just a, a, an escape for a few moments to kind of think about how wonderful it was and how nice it was and, and, and how mysterious and magical it was. The point of the story is that the wonderful fantasy, magical world of the kingdom of heaven came to earth. In the midst of all this chaos and all this darkness and all this suffering, light and peace came into the world. 
And because of that moment, because Christ came and lived among us, because God became flesh and lived among us, because God sent His only Son into the world, and He loved us, and He lived for us and died for us and rose again for us, we can participate in that other world, in that kingdom. And that's our call. We, we reflect on this wonderful story because at that moment in time, the apex of history, the fantasy world and our world collided. They met. And since that moment, they haven't been separated. They continue to be one, and we continue to be able to be part of that world, part of that story. And every time we believe and take part in it and listen and let it change us, we take part in that wonderful story. We join Joseph and Mary by the manger. We join the shepherds out in the field. We even uh, join the wise men who aren't quite there yet. And, and, and we join... Um, King Herod in, in his palace planning to do something very terrible about these little children who might be king one day. And it can change us. And it can transform us. And, and he didn't just come to free one people in one time. He didn't come just to rule for a few years and, and then to be done. Um, we're, we're in Hanukkah right now. If you don't know the story of Hanukkah, uh, it's about the Maccabees taking power from the Greeks in Israel uh, and, and this amazing battle that they win. And that's wonderful, and it's a wonderful thing to celebrate, but it only lasted for a few decades. And then Rome came in and occupied. But the angel says, He will rule forever, and He will save us from our sins. He did not come to just feed us, just help us in our poverty and pain. He came to let us be part of His world. To let us be part of the kingdom of heaven. To not only just be part of it, but to be heirs with Him in it. So that we could participate in fully. So this year as we, uh, as we celebrate Jesus' birthday, right? as we give presents to each other from Santa Claus. I try to explain to Alex that Santa Claus is just a helper, Jesus. He's a saint, actually. He, he lived. But that it's a lot, about a lot more than that. This is our opportunity every year to remind ourselves that the fantasy of this wonderful kingdom which we had no access to prior came to our world. And now we have full access to it. Now we can be transformed by it. We can be the heroes of that story, our own story and God's story, and together we can change the things of this world so that one day, not only will the two worlds be by each other, they will be one. And the fantasy will no longer be fantasy because the kingdom of heaven will be here and he will rule forever. Amen. We're going to uh, move into our candle lighting service. A couple things as we do that.
we're going to uh, watch a video, Silent Night, uh, by Mannheim Steamroller. And while we watch that video, uh, we will light our candles. So make sure you have a candle uh, or, or a couple, or however many you want, actually. I will walk down the center aisle and you will come to the person on the end and you will tip your candle and light it. And then the person next to you will tip their candle. Never tip a lit candle. And we will pass that light around. And when uh, all of our lights are lit and when the video is over, we will uh, sing just a couple verses of Silent Night, uh, Acapulco. That means no um, music. Right? No, that's a country. I'm sorry. Acapella. I took music theory, Penny. I know. I know. And then we will go in peace. Uh, there's some people going to Fiesta Cancun, so if you want to join us for fellowship, uh, feel free. Uh, but I wish you a Merry Christmas, uh, and I wish you uh, well. So I'll say something before we sing, but uh, we'll start. So guys, let's uh, start our video. And if you will uh, stand, if you are able, and get your candles ready, uh, we will go. I'll start by lighting the Advent wreath. 